to Eastern Water Solutions, presents Chieftain Coach's Corner. I'm Don Hensley, and today I'll be joined by Bell Fountain head football coach Jason Brown, assistant coach Sean Egler, who is a Bell Fountain Hall of Famer and the team's running back coach. And we'll close tonight's show with Chieftain standout running back Chris Fogan. Coach Brown, welcome back. Thank you. Appreciate it. You should probably get somebody else to start the show. Aren't you guys tired of me doing this thing here yet? <laughs> You're the voice of reason. Then, <laughs> then it starts to slide downhill after yeah, that. Maybe. So, I you don't know. know. But uh, another fine job Friday night by your players and coaches. It's an old cliche in sports, but, you know, if teams are either getting better or they're getting worse, and it seems like this team continues to show growth and improvement week after week. Um, how pleased were you with what you saw Friday night? Well, I thought in the second half we really showed our toughness. Uh, we were able to impose our will, especially at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, I think offensively and defensively up front, guys made decisions that they were going to really, really dial in and be physical, and you could just kind of tell that that started to make a difference. Yeah, Friday night it was junior running back Chris Fogan's uh, turn to shine, over 170 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Uh, Chris missed those few games in the middle of the season, but he looks fresh and seems to be running with a rare combination of power and speed right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have him kind of playing at his best here at this time, um, and it's good to see him kind of catching a rhythm, running the football, and, you know, it becomes a, a sport that – is uh, it makes it tough to defend when you can run the football and throw the football the way we can at times. Yeah, I'd say it makes it tough to defend when you got uh, six guys last week caught passes. Uh, you know, Chris had 170 yards rushing, and St. Clair even added 25 yards on the ground. So uh, <laughs> that's a lot of things to defend. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Then you then you line up Hayden Manns at a wing back, and you expect him to try to stop a. 220, 230-pound wingback. So sure. yeah, they're showing a lot of different looks right now. Well, we're trying to grow, you know, and trying to grow the offense. I think one of the biggest additions of the game plan uh, seems to be the inclusion of Fogan in the passing game. Uh, last week he caught six balls for 69 yards and a fourth touchdown. I mean, everybody knows his running skills. He's got 927 yards. He's third in the league in running with, you know, just over seven yards of carry. But you add in the pass-catching ability – including the one-handed grab against Shawnee, mm -hmm. which we're going to talk to him later about. I mean, we didn't know we had that in his repertoire too. But uh, And you have a player that can give defensive coaches fits. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, anybody in our program knows the kind of receiver that Chris is. He's shown that, you know, throughout the summertime, especially in seven-on-seven. Seven. Um, he's as gifted and talented uh, catching the ball uh, for a running back as we've had in a long, long time. Uh, maybe his running backs coach, Coach Egler. So we are um, – you know, we're blessed that he has those kinds of skills and that skill set. We just haven't always had a chance to exploit it out there the way we have here the last couple of weeks. Well, Coach Kennedy and Coach Egler got to be licking their chops the thoughts of Fogan against a linebacker or against a strong safety walking up there. So, Yeah, it's a matchup nightmare. <laughs> right. Uh, of course, none of this is possible without strong offensive line play. I thought the last series of the first half, not one of the better series for the offensive line, but – uh, came out in the second half and really kind of dominated the game. Was there an X and O's adjustment or was it more of a mindset adjustment at the half? Well, I think it was definitely X and O's. I think Coach Reed really honed in on, uh, with that offensive line group, uh, a slight adjustment to how we were doing some blocking and protection especially. Um, and we were able to kind of settle our feet. The O-line had great confidence in the adjustment. So, you know, a lot of credit goes to those guys the up front, the O-line, the O-line coaches the guys that were, you know, in the trenches making those decisions on the fly. That's not always easy to do, but it was a great adjustment there offensively. And, you know, they had a couple tweaks on defense as well. 
So if you're talking about offensive line adjustments, are we talking about just like for people that don't really know, you're talking about how you handle guys that are in gaps, who's blocking down, who's kicking out type of stuff? Absolutely. You know, and if a guy's rushing an inside gap, you know, do you stay with that guy? Do you pass off a guy that's twisting? And, uh, you know, not to give everything away here, but to a certain degree, it was a kind of adjustment that um, really was going to make a difference. Our ability to make that adjustment, our kids to handle it, would make a difference down the road against a really, really good football team. We'll have Coach Reed on later as we get closer to the playoffs again, but uh, talk a little bit about that. Are you guys starting to see more defenses trying to gimmick you a little bit, uh, trying to maybe, knowing that they maybe can't stop you at four downs, but trying to make the big big stop and, and, and maybe gimmick in some ways with blitzes and other type of things? Certainly they're trying to disrupt us and get us behind the sticks. Um, you know, they're going to try to decide, and, and, and really good teams will try to decide to take something away and force us to beat them in a different way. And um, part of that at times is gambling on defense, and we've got to be prepared to do that. Certainly, uh, I think the adjustment at halftime up front on the offensive line by Coach Reed was something that made a big difference. Offensively, the team rolled up more than 450 yards. Uh, sophomore quarterback Tavian St. Clair threw for 260 of them. Uh, there were a couple of interceptions, however, maybe forcing the ball into coverage a bit. A good learning opportunity for the young quarterback? Absolutely. You know, for, for that young guy, uh, a big part of his growth is how does he react when things don't go his way personally. And as the quarterback, the guy driving the bus, you always get too much credit and you always get too much blame. And so right away, it was great to see him kind of internalize what occurred, admit what had gone on and, and his mistake in this whole um, piece of the pie, and then from there move forward and, and grow from, from that mistake. Uh, no doubt uh, we are confident in what his general reaction is to anything good or bad, and it was great to just seem businesslike, play the next play, and uh, grow. Well, Chris had a special night running the football. I thought maybe the real key to the whole night was the way the defense played. I mean, Alder has a standout running back in their own right and Cameron Jewell, and while he picked up 130 yards, it was more on a pedestrian like 25 carries. He only had one carry, which was the touchdown, was over over 10 yards, so – uh, I thought your defense did a really good job of limiting the big plays. Yeah, we certainly wanted to make him earn it. You know, he comes off the night before, or the week before with over 300 yards. I mean, an explosive career kind of night, school records kind of night. And uh, we were able to keep the ball in front of us. We were able to make him earn everything that he got. And he's a good player. He's talented. You know, we give credit where credit's due. But, you know, that bigger run over, I think it was in the first drive where he scored, uh, and then after that, no run over 10 yards. For a guy that's leading the league in rushing, had come in with 1,000 yards, that's making him earn it. Coach Brown, we're going to take a real quick timeout just so I can ask the technicians here. I did not hit record. Is that okay? You guys got me? All right. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm new to this thing here, Brownie. I'm, I'm just a radio guy. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, once more, I got to call a timeout hey, too. Listen, and I don't have to run to do it. No, I just sit you, right here and, and call it. And nobody's going to text you about your speed in doing so. No. no. Well, that's because you. you don't have any, any smart aleck on the radio talking about it. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot all year about Alex Caudell, and he showed up again on Friday night. I mean, uh, I thought I think you and your coaching staff have really found something with Caudell at linebacker and Ashcraft moving down to defensive end. But I think the interesting thing is how you're you're using Ashcraft to defensive end. You're also standing him up at linebacker. You're, you're almost showing 3-4-4-3, four, four, depending on what you want to 
get defensively. How have those two players and their interchangeability really impacted the defense this year? Well, the interchangeability of the two players has impacted us from the standpoint. Before you talk about what they're doing, the fact that they're both playing with injuries that in a lot of cases players maybe would not play through. Um, they both have deferred a surgery until a later date. So how about when you talk we over me football and we over me culture? I mean, you couldn't you couldn't ask for anything else uh, in that regard. So then from there, the fact that you got a, a, an all-league linebacker and an all-league defensive end, and all of a sudden you're asking them to, to, to swap who they are. And, you know, if you just said that in the summer, then we probably would have just laughed like, no way. But now you're starting to see that both of them have embraced the position change. Both of them have embraced their role in the way that they fit on our defense. And they've, they've actually been a rising tide, really, for a lot of other guys um, because they're such great leaders and they make plays. And in football, you earn respect by making plays and being a guy that, that people can count on to make plays. And because they've been able to embrace their roles, uh, they've brought other men along with them defensively. You also earn respect in football by rocking people Monday through Wednesday <laughs> in the practice field. And I got a funny feeling there's not a lot of guys that really want to go up against those two when it comes to tackling, tackling field time. There's, there's times where we have to uh, dial it back, and there's times where we have to watch our matchups to make sure that, that everybody involved stays healthy. I think the interesting thing about that is, you know, when you talk about unselfishness, Ashcraft last year, first team all league, honorable mention all Ohio, I believe. Yes, sir. And he, he gracefully changes positions for the betterment of the team. Yeah. And in doing so, I think you could argue that Caldell might be defensive player of the year right now in the CBC. Well, certainly. I mean, what they've done for our defense, and if we continue on the path we're on, it's hard to argue that they haven't been some of the most impactful players defensively throughout the CBC. Um, and just, again, I, I go back to when we talk brotherhood and family and we over me, I mean, this is exemplary of that. They embody that in themselves. Um, they could at any point in time look at us and say, hey, I can't practice today. I'm just sore. I'm tired. I'm jammed up. They've never once said that. Um, just amazing examples, and they've become rocks for us to lean on. <clears throat> you know, your front seven seems to get a lot of the ink on defense, but I think the young secondary is really coming along. I thought they had their best game Friday night. Uh, now, I know Jonathan Alder isn't necessarily a pass-happy team, but they were 5 of 14 for only 41 yards. And I thought your defensive secondary, especially those two young corners, really played well. Yeah, you know, A lot of credit to those guys, the, those young corners, their coaches. Um, to really see the emergence of Kalen Oregon at corner has been, um, uh, it's been a blessing for us. Now, no doubt someone with as much track talent as he has is enticing for football coaches. And to see him buy into the culture and buy into the brotherhood has been great. And then, you know, the other side, Caden, a young guy that probably in the summer nobody expected would be as much of a contributor as he's become. But, you know, he's been coachable, disciplined, uh, has, has turned to be a physical player. And, you know, for those two guys to be able to play some corner and allow Riley and Chris and other guys to kind of get a blow at times on defense, that makes this team better. You know, we'll talk to Coach Egler a little bit about uh, those corners here in a bit. But I think the one thing, early in the season, I thought it looked like, yeah, they can run. But their ball skills have really gotten, I think, a lot better in the last couple weeks. Certainly. And it starts with 
you know, them deciding and believing in what's being coached and the coaches that are with them every day, um, working on playing the ball, high pointing the ball, having their eyes in the right spot at the right time, making sure that their belly's to the ball or that they're turning back to the receiver when it's time. Uh, just, again, buying into what's being taught is, is a big deal. And when you find success, that becomes easier every day. Well, and it's huge down the stretch here to keep, um, you know, Fogan and Nier off the defense as much as possible to keep them rested for offense. I mean, obviously, you, they both can play over there, but if those two guys are doing it, it means they're even more well-rested on the offensive side. Yeah, no doubt. We just we don't, we want to leave – we don't want to leave miles on the car when it's – when we've got to have it, you know, if there's a scenario that presents itself. But for now, it's, um, it's a luxury that we have, and we want to continue to foster the growth of all those guys. I'm even seeing some of those guys come up and hit a little bit. I mean, not, you know, corners by nature. Now, I hear Chris and Egler are in the room, so they're going to hear this, but you know as well as I do, corners by nature, eh, hitting's not really. Yeah, at times. I mean, prime time never really hit nobody. <laughs> right, correct. He was a millionaire cover man, no <laughs> doubt. But I will say this, these guys have become uh, more willing to be physical. They've done their job. They've helped us leverage the football, which is the most important piece of defense uh, from the outside in. And uh, that's making a difference for us. So the Chiefs control their own destiny in the CBC. Uh, you're the only undefeated team left. Uh, it's simple. Win out. Own the league outright. Uh, this week you travel to Kenton Ridge. The Cougars have struggled. They're 2-6 and six with an 0-3 mark in the league. But um, they're always a tough task. I mean, they always get up for Bell Fountain. Uh, to me, this is a good opportunity, though, to see how your team handles a situation where they're heavily favored. They're coming off two tough games. There's a big one sitting in Week 10. How do you handle and keep the team focused for we this week nine? Play to the standard. I mean, this the same answer for the last two years is we've got a standard. We want to push to the standard. We want to increase the standard if we can. You know, it's about us playing to a standard against whatever team shows up or wherever we have to go to play. And so that's where it starts. Uh, then behind that, we need to, you know, recognize Kenry's a big physical football team that at times – makes a lot of plays against all the teams they've played. They find success defensively being physical. They find success offensively being physical. They want to play this game in a phone booth. And if they can do that and hang in there, you know, the longer they're in the game, the more they'll believe. So for us, we need to come in, execute, play to the standard, and, and again, try to play the best complimentary football we can play. So for people that haven't seen Kenton Ridge play and you guys have been watching film all week, what, sh what should they expect? Um, a game in a phone booth, a rugby scrum to a certain degree, a lot of stuff that's down inside, double tight on offense with, you know, double tight, double wing look, double wing on the same side, some gap scheme stuff, some counter tray, some inside zone, some trap. I mean, big physical kids playing within about seven or eight yards of the ball and then every now and then throwing it. And defensively, similar style. Um, they don't want to get spread out. They want to be physical up front. They want to try to get you stopped before you get started. So speed will be a, the factor for you is try to figure out how to get your guys in space like you have all year. Similar, um, yes, sir. Yeah. So I, I've known you since you were a high school football player here. I've had the privilege of knowing you that long, and I know you won't address this. But for those listening, I think we have to talk a little bit about this because there's two weeks left. The Chiefs have clinched a playoff spot, according to Joe Itell and Drew Pastier, two of the outstanding prep football voices in the state of Ohio. If you don't uh, already, you should follow them. Um, but the crown jewel is finishing in the top four, having the opportunity to play host the first two rounds. The Chiefs are currently third in their region where the top 16 teams get in the postseason. So I know you. I know you don't even want to mention that, but I feel like it was, you know, something that 
our listeners will definitely be interested in. We are excited for the opportunity to earn playoff games here at our stadium. And uh, that's what we're going to push every week to do. I know the city of Bell Fountain is also excited. So, Coach Brown, thank you as always. Best of luck over the next two weeks, and thank you for providing the insight into Chieftain football for our listeners and viewers. Uh, insight that you can only find on the Chieftain Coaches Corner presented by Eastern Water Solutions. This is true. It's not found anywhere else, Coach Hans. Thank <laughs> you so else. much. When I return, I will be joined by running backs Coach Sean Egler. This is Trey Daring at iColds Daring and Sanford Funeral Homes and Cremation Center. We are committed to providing professional, tailored funeral and cremation services at affordable pricing. We are part of a community of caring individuals, friends, and neighbors who consider it a privilege to serve you in your time of need. We are proud to be locally owned and operated. Our family serving your family since 1903. Go Chiefs! Foresight Insurance and Financial Services is a locally owned and operated financial services provider for the state of Ohio, focusing our efforts on serving the residents of Logan County and surrounding counties. We are located at 1653 U.S. 68 North Baffin. Foresight can help you with all your retirement needs. We specialize in assisting with pension options. We also offer business planning, charitable gifting strategies, as well as life and health insurance. Call today at 937-595-5002. Foresight Insurance and financial services in the business of planning life. Hello, this is Luke Varner from Easton Water Solutions. How is your water? Does your water need improved? Put my 23 years of experience to work for you. Give me a call today, Luke Varner, Easton Water Solutions, 592-8379. All right, we're back on Easton Water Solutions. Presents Chieftain Coach's Corner. Hey, just like a football team, though, sometimes you got to go to your backup. Tonight, we got a backup tech crew in with Skylar Mifsud calling the shots back there. Uh, so if something doesn't go quite right, um, his email will be provided here at the end. Uh, this week, I'm pleased to be joined by Sean Egler. Sean played for Coach Brown from 2004 to 2007. Sean, thanks for joining us. Uh, you had a Hall of Fame career. You're going to have to move up to the mic. But you had a Hall of Fame career as a running back while playing for Coach Brown in his first stint as the head coach here. What's it like now working and coaching for the guy who coached you? Well, it's pretty much the same. Uh, he doesn't cut you no slack out there. Anytime you see you lackadaisical out there, he's going to point it out. He's going to make you start over. Some of these guys already know. You know the high knees aren't too high. One day I show up at practice, then we got to do everything all over again. So. Really, he's just the same guy. You know, he likes things how he likes it. You know, he's on point. He's a general out there. So if you do things the way he likes it, you do it right, you do it like. Wrong, do it long. <laughs> Been the same thing ever since I played. So. Well, for those of you that may not put the face with the memory, uh, it's been about 20 years now, but Egler Morgan, Morgan Egler, it was kind of interchangeable at the time. Two of the most explosive players, you know, uh, in that era of Chieftain football. But um, I've heard you still got a little bit left in the tank. Now, if the rumor is right, I've heard you've been running some scout team. Yeah, you know, uh, players like to talk a lot. So, you know, me still having a little bit of ability, I like to go out there and at least show them what I've been capable of throughout these years. And maybe I lost a few steps, but, yeah, I'm still pretty quick, pretty fast. I still got a little bit of moves. But... Now, I hope that Chris and some of these other running backs are – realize how lucky they are to be being coached by two Bell Fountain Hall of Fame running backs, you and Coach McDaniel, 
both of you in the Hall of Fame. Now you got a few years on Coach McDaniel, so but he looks like he could still play too. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, I always tell him. I said when I'm that age, I want to look like you. So yeah, I even like this is something a lot of people don't know is like I looked up to Coach Rich when I played here too. So to be able to coach with him and get some more of that knowledge. Yeah, I don't know if these kids even are understanding like how much like it means just to be around and show them the things that we're used to, show them the culture. Because I always tell them, like, it's a legacy position here to play running back at both fountains. Like, it's a tradition of just great after great after great. I don't know if there's anyone who played running back here who wasn't any good. So that's I was here. Pressure. I've been here since 1990, and they've all been good. And I know before it all started with Jesse Williams and uh, – you know, there's been some great ones since, and and Rich McDaniel, he was one of them. He could run the ball, and then you got you know Libertus and and yourself. The list is the list is deep with guys that are either in the Hall of Fame or going in the Hall of Fame. All right, some of them aren't even there yet, but they're on their way. So uh, later in the show, we're going to be joined by junior running back Chris Fogan. We've all seen Chris grow into an incredible running back. Um, what do you think Chris' strengths are as a running back? Well, right now it's just his vision, his patience. I think he's developed his power uh, early on in his career. Like, those are things you can't teach is, like, vision. He sees the hole. He sees the cutback. He sees the blocks develop. Like, those are things as a coach is, like, you try to instill that, but really that's just something that you have or you don't have. I think that's his best thing is right now is just his vision. You know, Coach Brown and I were talking about him earlier in the year, and one thing that I think jumps out to me is this year – the finishing of the run seems to be a lot more physical than it was last year. And I think early in the season last year, he was definitely a home run hitter. I mean, there was he's always been that. But I thought playoffs last year and this year, there's a little bit of a, of a, of a meanness at the end of the run that maybe wasn't there in his early in his career. Yeah, like we tried to talk about like finishing runs, like being on top of piles, finishing forward. Like no, no one person bringing you down. Like it takes a whole team, a whole squad. And I think he's embraced that. And I remember last year telling him, like, look, just juke inside, and then he doesn't touch you. He said, what's the fun in that? I want to run into him. <laughs> so, I mean, he loves the contact. So he's physical by nature. And I just think, like, his body, body's developed in a way to where now he's just punishing guys. Earlier we talked with Coach Brown about his pass-catching ability, and I know you helped Coach Kennedy on the sidelines with the offense on Friday nights. How has his ability to get involved in the passing game kind of changed what you want to be and what you want to do as an offensive group? Really, I just think it makes us more versatile. You know, you got a guy who you're handing to 20 times and now everybody's stacking the box. Now all of a sudden the same guy's going out on pass pattern. You're like, well, who's going to cover? You know, early on I thought that was what we had to work on a lot was just his pass catching, his route running. And I think now he's just taking off. You know, he takes coaching really well. He listens. And then he applies it because some guys they'll listen to you and you'll be like, well, I'm going to do my own thing. But he takes the coaching really well and he's serious about what he's doing and he just concentrates and he does what he has to do. And there's not a linebacker around this part of the state that's going to want to try to cover him coming out of the backfield. Well, I think most DBs are going to have a tough time also. Yeah, well, they're, they're preoccupied with the other four playmakers you got. So it's kind of like pick your poison on offense if you're going to try to put – you know, a defensive back on the running back, then you've got, you know, so, some somebody's going to get covered by a linebacker somewhere. Yeah, that's the <laughs> one good thing about offense being so versatile. You can't key on one guy because if you key on one guy, then five other guys are going to hurt you. Right. Uh, for a few games, Chris was unable to go and Riley Neer stepped in. 
Uh, from your perspective, how important is it to have that kind of interchangeable ability there to uh, sub guys in and out, guys go down, get nicked up, you're able to move a guy in and still keep the offense rolling? Well, I'm a guy who likes to build from the back up. Like, I preach on those JV guys all day, 24-7. Like, you got to make these guys better. Like, they're the leaders, and they're going to lead by example. The only way they get better is they see somebody pushing them for their position. So I just think it's just one of those things where everybody's competing for one spot, and no matter who's in there, like, they know that they got to prepare like they're a starter. So if they prepare like they're a starter, every time they go in, they're going to be prepared to do the same thing, even if it's Chris, if it's Riley, if it's Polk, if it's CC, like, we can, anybody, anybody can just come in and do the job. Well, here's what I suggest is I suggest before the season's over, you bring your running backs into a group and you break out the, now it'd be VCR, but you break out the VCR of you and Rich and show them, you know, what a couple of running backs like yourself could do back in the day. Yeah, I got a couple of highlight tapes on there my you phone. Go. And I always tease them. I say, right, we're going to put the highlight tape on this week so I can show you how to block and show you how to run. There you go. I'm sure that they love that. You also coach the cornerbacks on defense, right? Yes, I coach the this is a group that I think has really probably been the most, the biggest jump in development over the year. And and uh, I know that you guys started the season playing Riley and Chris a lot on defense, but um, the two younger kids have moved in. Tell us a little bit about them and how they've developed this season. Well, yeah, early on, you know, it was Chris and Riley. You know, those are our guys. Those are our veterans. You know, they know the position. They know the coverages. But, I mean, you got a guy like Kalen Oregon who's, you know, he's a track guy. He's one of the fastest in the CBC. So you know he has the ability, so just to get it out of him. And, you know, he's a guy who went from playing safety and defensive end, so he was new at the position. But I always thought he had the hand-eye coordination. So, I mean, he's another guy who takes coaching well. You know, we always pound on our coverages, our footwork, and our hands. And I think he's just adapted all that, and then he's bought into what we're trying to teach him. And uh, he's taken off. And then you got Caden Snap. You know, he comes from a good family. Those guys are hard-nosed and they're physical. So, I mean, he already has those traits. I always joke with him, like, yeah, down the road you're going to be a linebacker. <laughs> because, I mean, he's that physical. Like, he's he, does, he likes really handsy. But I just think for him, developing his feet with his hands and then just running with guys, because he's deceptively fast. People don't think about Caden Snap as a fast guy, but really he's pretty fast, like, inline to inline. I think he can compete with our top guys up there as far as straight line speed. So just getting that and then him coming downhill on the run, and we always harp on tackling, tackling, tackling. Because you think corners, ah, well, they're cover guys. But I'm a guy, like, you got to do both. As a corner, if you can't tackle, then it's going to be hard to get you out there because you got to get off blocks and you got to protect the edge. Like, there's a lot of things you got to do at corner besides cover. So if you do all those little things and tackle and be hard and aggressive, like the covering spot, that's easy. The interesting thing to me that, about that aspect is that, you know, 30, 30 years ago or, heck, even back when you were playing, the corners weren't expected to make as many tackles because the teams weren't as spread out. The, that, that spread offense was just coming kind of into vogue when you were playing. Yeah, everything was wing T. Everything was wing T. And, and, and in the wing T, the defensive end has that outside contain, right? Yeah. But it, when you're running all these jet sweeps and you got everybody spread out, the corner, that fly's driving me crazy, by the way, that corner has a lot more of tackling responsibility. Yeah, because, you know, if they try and stretch you out, a lot of times they'll have a flanker out there and he'll try and run you off. But we tell our guys that if he runs you off, as soon as you see run, you know, you got to scream down, you got to protect that. Because we don't want our guys just to focus on coverages. 
we we also know our defensive end, our linebackers, they also need help with run fit. So if we can get off our blocks on the outside from a receiver trying to run us off and get and help in run fits, it makes our defense more uh, physical. It makes us run to the ball better. So just helping being that 11 to the hat. So last question, uh, Sean. I've always thought it was more difficult to coach at your alma mater, especially as a head coach. But Coach Brown now has done it twice, and he's obviously an alum. And then when I look at his coaching staff, most of you guys are Bell Fountain guys. So how does that help in creating a winning formula? Well, really, I think it helps as far as, like, knowing the culture, knowing, like, what the community expects, you know, knowing and feeling the brotherhood, not just saying it, but being a part of that brotherhood, the we over me, and just, like, embodying that and then letting the kids feel that because they see all Bell Fountain alumni on the coaching staff. They're like, well, the brotherhood is real. And, you know, just to embody that and then let them know, like, it doesn't matter. As long as you're a part of this thing, you're a part of the Chiefs for life. You can leave, come back, you know, do something else, come back, and we're still going to embrace you and love you like you've been here the whole time. Yeah, only only you guys that have been here can tell the younger guys that this is tailback you here. You know, yeah, really. I mean, if you're going, if you're playing tailback here, it's something special. Yeah, and that's a lot of pressure playing the running back position here because you've had so many greats, and also coaching here, being an alumni here, all the pressure from the outside, and you know, people love Chieftain football. And then you see it at the grocery store, you walking down the street, like people want to talk about Chieftain football. If it's good or if it's bad, if they want to give you a coaching tip, <laughs> like no matter, they're going to let you have it and you're going to hear it because you're both out Chief. I'll tell you what, this year there hasn't been too many coaching tips. I think in this grocery store, everybody's pretty excited and I think they're going to get even more excited as we come down the stretch here. So, Sean, really good information. Uh, I wish you good luck the rest of the way, especially as you guys head down the stretch into the postseason. Let's take a break, and when we return, we'll be joined by junior running back Chris Fogan. This is Trey Daring at iColds Daring and Sanford Funeral Homes and Cremation Center. We are committed to providing professional, tailored funeral and cremation services at affordable pricing. We are part of a community of caring individuals, friends, and neighbors who consider it a privilege to serve you in your time of need. We are proud to be locally owned and operated, our family serving your family since 1903. Go Chiefs! Foresight Insurance and Financial Services is a locally owned and operated financial services provider for the state of Ohio, focusing our efforts on serving the residents of Logan County and surrounding counties. We are located at 1653 U.S. 68 North Baffin. Foresight can help you with all your retirement needs. We specialize in assisting with pension options. We also offer business planning, charitable gifting strategies, as well as life and health insurance. Call today at 937-595-5002. Foresight Insurance and Financial Services in the business of planning life. Hello, this is Luke Varner from Easton Water Solutions. How is your water? Does your water need improved? Put my 23 years of experience to work for you. Give me a call today. Luke Varner, Easton Water Solutions, 592-8379. We're now joined by uh, junior running back Chris Fogan here on the Eastern Water Solutions presents Chieftain's Coach's Corner. Chris enters this week third in the CBC in rushing despite missing a few games in the middle part of the season. Chris, thanks for joining us today. How are you feeling? I'm um, feeling pretty good. Decided to be here. Uh, you certainly have looked strong the last couple of weeks, uh, running with a little bit of renewed uh, vigor here the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I went down with injury last year, missed about four or five games. So my dad was like, well, we can't just have that again. So he's been pushing me, you know, get better, get right. So. 
The one thing that I've really noticed at the end of the year, and we talked about it a little bit here with uh, Coach Egler, was that uh, the, your the ability to finish this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you've become a much more punishing runner. Uh, everybody's has seen the, the home run hitting ability, mm-hmm. but uh, do you agree that uh, that's been a change that maybe has come around late last year and throughout this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just guys pushing me at practice. You know? I mean, really want to play college football, so got to be ready for that physicality. So just get my body right, getting bigger. So Do you like that part of it? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's much better. As a running back, everybody wants to hit you, so it's a lot better when you get to throw right. out the punishment <laughs> a little bit. Right. <laughs> um, so when you think about yourself as a running back, what do you think is your best asset? Uh, I just think my best asset is my versatility. I mean, I could play receiver, catch the ball. Obviously, I can run the ball and block it. I mean, just do it all. What are some things you think you still need to work on? Um, Things I still need to work on is probably just blocking. I mean, some of those big guys down there just blitzing linebackers and stuff. I feel like that's something I can still work on. Now, do you guys do my – I mean – being, you know, as explosive as you are, are you asked to stay in and, and, and pass protect much? Um, I am sometimes, but I feel like when I am, I need to, like, I could, like, help out a little bit more and maybe, like, uh, a little bit longer to help Tave get a couple more seconds to throw the ball. Probably something, especially as you think about the next level, that they'll be asked of you is to yeah. figure out how to, you know, you got to pass pro a little bit more. But you attended – a few college camps this summer. Tell us a little bit about that, and how did that prepare you for the upcoming season? I mean, there's just a lot of good guys out there, a lot of good running backs, a lot of good coaches to learn from. So, I mean, just picking up little tendencies from other, like, college running backs and stuff and just different moves that they taught you and different tips and tricks. I mean, it all helps out. You went to Pitt, right? Yes, sir. How was that? I mean, it was good. I learned a lot of moves there. We did a lot of pass catching there, too, so I feel like that helped a lot. It's interesting, the pass-catching part, because it, it really wasn't something that anybody really saw from you last right. year, and really not even much this year, but all of a sudden right. the last two years, you, you come out there and you make an Odell Beckham-type catch <laughs> in the end zone two weeks ago, and then you lead the team in receptions last week. So, uh, you know, is that something that you really enjoy doing is catching the ball? Uh, I mean, I just enjoy, like, doing what I can to help. So if that's catching the ball or in the ball, I mean, I don't mind doing anything. Okay, then tell me a little bit about that catch in Shawnee. Was that something that just happened? or I mean, because that was with your left hand, too. It was yeah. offhand, wasn't it? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> I mean, it was just in a moment. You know, I mean, just stick one hand out there and came down with it. I was pretty excited, you know, with one-handed catch in high school. So. Yeah, and, and one-handed catch in high school, and you were covered, right. and it was for a touchdown. <laughs> right. You know, so there, it doesn't get much better than that. I don't know if you guys still watch film as a team, but mm-hmm. I would guess that on Saturday morning that was uh, – we played a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was good stuff. Um, so one of the things that, you know, uh, as far as that passing g- game is, um, is it something that you feel like you uh, maybe um, could do more of? Or is it something that, you know, you're, are, they getting, are you getting more and more different types of plays in the playbook for you? I mean, I feel like um, since I have the pass, uh, pass catching ability, then we can't have more stuff like more – outside the backfield, more empty sets, and just keep the defense on the heels because they can't just take away one thing because we should come back with the other. So if you haven't noticed, I'm a bigger guy, so I played mm-hmm. on the offensive line, and, and I'm going to give you a chance here. Uh, as a running back, there's like six guys that are play in front of you that mm-hmm. make a difference on Friday nights. Tell me a little bit about how that group's developed into a um, strong unit. Well, those guys, I mean, you just got to keep them motivated through the good and bad. I mean, they don't block. I can't run, so – got to keep them motivated. You got to keep their heads up and let them know when they're doing great. Let them know when they're, like, 
hype them up when they're not doing so great, but you got to keep them going. This is going to be the hardest question I'm going to ask you because for those people that have never played football or for guys like me that have only played on the, on the line, a lot of the great running backs of all time have been asked mm -hmm. this question, including Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, Gail Sayers, and they all struggle with this. But you have an incredible ability and, and, and instinct to make the right cut. In fact, I think you're one of the probably the best cut runners I've seen. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got those quick feet. you got good vision. Is it something that you're actually thinking about when you get the ball, or is there something innate that just takes over? Uh, I mean, it's like a pre-snap thing, like, I'm a smart guy, so I know, like, where most of the linemen, like, the assignments and stuff. So, I mean, I just visualize stuff before the play happens, and when it's there, I just take it. So, if you've got the ball and you're, you know, it's, say it's like a 28 or a sweep, and you're mm -hmm. running the sweep, and the, you feel that guy coming from the inside and you put a move on him, is that something you're thinking about, or does that just, do the feet just take over? Yeah, the feet just take over at that point. I don't, like, think too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, so this is the last question. Um, so, oh, well, actually the last question we've already done was the, the catch in Springfield Shawnee. So, uh, I guess I, we'll close by, by talking about, you know, um, you're healthy, you're ready to go now. You got to, the, the end of the season coming up here, two big games and hopefully some playoff games. What do you think that the team has to do from here out to get to where you guys want to be? Um, at this point, we just got to keep getting better day by day, keep showing up, keep giving 100% every day because you don't practice good, you don't play good. So at that point, I mean, it's late in the season, but we just got to keep our heads up and you know, keep striving because we know what we can be. That's a great answer, and Coach Brown will approve of that because <laughs> you've been listening to what he says because yeah. that's exactly <laughs> how he thinks. All right, Chris, it was my pleasure. Best of luck down the stretch. Thank you. Uh, up next for the Chiefs is a trip to Kenton Ridge Friday night before closing out the season with a game at London in Week 10. For Coach Brown and all the guests tonight, this is Don Hensley saying thank you for joining us this week for Easton Water Solutions Presents Chieftain's Coach's Corner.